This is episode 48 of Brick and Data, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. We cover trending retail headlines, interview some of the biggest players, surface game changer technologies, and explore how retailers are surviving and thriving. Hey everyone, it's Todd, and coming up in this episode is an interview with Jeffrey Aronson, who's tasked to transform Detroit into an apparel and fashion hub. But when you think of Detroit, you don't think of fashion first, do you? I know I don't, but he's aiming to change this completely. So Jeffrey is the founder and CEO of Aronson Group, and they specialize in helping fashion and apparel companies with the operational and financial ends of their businesses, which, as we know, has become incredibly important lately to know how to run that business. And when you're building a new hub in a city that isn't known to have that, you need someone who's been there and done that. So Detroit Mayor Mike Dugan tapped Jeffrey in September 2017 to do just this. He's going to lead a committee that's going to create a comprehensive, actionable plan for transforming Detroit into a major hub serving the world's $2.5 trillion apparel, fashion, and luxury sector. So let's listen in on the conversation that Jose is having with Jeffrey and hear how all of his experience as the CEO, CEO of Oscar de la Renta, Mark Jacobs, Donna Karen, among others, has really given him the experience to be able to create these turnaround and growth strategies for retailers. So let's jump in and hear what Jeffrey has to say with Jose. Given your, your, your storied career in the luxury sector, uh, what prompted your decision to return to Detroit and oversee um, the development of um, a Detroit fashion hub? I'll tell you what prompted me um, to come back and focus on Detroit, besides the mayor's um, unbelievable um, invitation. Um, four years ago, I was fortunate to be one of the Detroit expats who were invited and attended a homecoming event that was sponsored by Cranes Media. And I don't know if you're aware, but Cranes is headquartered in Detroit. Wow, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's it was brainchild of Mary Kramer and, and Jim Hayes to invite expats from around the world to come back and see for themselves what is going on and that they might be prompted to get involved in what's going on. So I was one of those expats. I came back uh, and uh, the only only words I have is that you have to see it in order to believe it. Because when I left Detroit, I remember being sad. This is when I went off to uh, New York to get a master's in tax law at NYU. I'll never forget being sad and wondering whether the city would ever come back. And if so, I thought, never in my lifetime. So now, <laughs> so now um, I'm at the homecoming. And I'm sitting in an audience uh, of people who, and we're listening uh, to Mayor Mike Duggan, who is in his first term, having led the city out of its bankruptcy. Sure. He presented to us in a remarkable plan for turning the city around, and even more remarkable was the early progress he was making, uh, including its accelerating speed. 
you know, it's one thing to have a vision. It's another thing to execute. And the, of course, the visions and plans that aren't executed are hallucinations. Right. Um, what I heard was an amazing vision and then firsthand witness to execution. Um, after his presentation, it was a break during which we had individual access to the mayor, members of his office, Governor Rick Snyder, presidents of major foundations, uh, the leaders of major Detroit headquartered businesses. Um, and all I can say was that for the first time I can remember, I mean, I'm always energized, but from the first time I could remember, I was actually inspired. Wow. And I was so inspired, I thought, boy, if I were 30 years younger, um, maybe with just a couple of dollars in my pocket and maybe not, I'd return to Detroit in a New York second for building businesses in Detroit. It's a place you leave that it never it never leaves you. Sure. So um, and then, you know, I was particularly impressed with and inspired by Mayor Duggan, who, as I said, is a visionary and was actually transforming his intangible ideas into measurable realities and doing so uh, in aligning the major uh, uh, government, uh, neighborhood community, business community, uh, great in Detroit's great cultural institutions, charitable foundations, um, all behind, you know, the focus, all behind the mission to turn around and revitalize uh, the city. Which is pretty remarkable. I mean, given that um, you're a, a dual uh, New Yorker as well as a New um, a Detroit native, uh, to wow a New Yorker takes a lot. So it, it, this vision must have been quite, quite incredible as you've described. Well, that's nice of you to say, but I, I mean, I'm you know, as I said, you know, you can leave the Midwest, but the Midwest never really leaves you. And um, uh, I can be, you know, excited, inspired. But boy, I mean, this was this would inspire any any anyone. And, and it has who's come in contact with it. So will will you um, move um, to Detroit permanently uh, or Will you maintain an office in New York City? How, how will this work? Well, you know, home for me is where my family is. And my family, uh, we, we live in Connecticut. And in my work is wherever it takes me. It's where my clients are. So if they're, it, it could be New York, it could be Detroit, it could be L.A., it could be Paris, uh, it could be Shanghai. So or, or Tokyo. So really, you know, geography for me is less um, is really not so much an issue. Um, however, uh, uh, um, I wouldn't have imagined to be to, to, to be spending three to four days a week uh, in Detroit at the outset and reconnecting with the city, uh, developing the new relationships and fact finding. So I've been spending um, a lot of my early time uh, in this initiative uh, in the city of, of Detroit. So uh, I almost feel as if I have dual residencies. And, and I think, Jeffrey, that's a great way to put it, right? That where, where you said um, home is where your family is, but 
businesses where your clients are. I, I, I like that mental model, and, and that's that's a great way to think about things. And so, uh, as you mentioned in, in the early days, you've been spending a lot of time in Detroit, and it has been undergoing a renaissance overall, uh, especially um, post, let's say, post-financial crisis. Uh, it's come a long way from from at least that point in time. I can't speak uh, to other times before, but at least when I it, it got on the national radar for what was going on, uh, it always had been. But that particular time was, was because of the auto industry. It was very highlighted in in the media. It, it, it's changed a lot. It seems like it's changed a lot um, for the better. It certainly has, um, and. Um... It, it it there's there's no question about it's no, there's no question about it. And to, to to that end, I mean, firms like um, Shinola have become nationally known, and there are other firms, and that's just one of the ones that that's been highlighted. Um, so why would this be a good time? Uh, do you think to build uh, a, a fashion sector uh, in Detroit? What was the mayor's logic? Okay. Well, um, initially, there there are a number of reasons, um, you know, what makes this a good time. Um, But before really going into it, uh, you've you've made me think about what Oscar de la Renta used to always tell me, uh, that timing is everything. And I can see that this is the time uh, for a, um, you know, for, for, uh, uh, the industry um, and for Detroit. And one of the reasons ha- has to do with some global trends that are going on. Um, but before going into the trends, I think it's important to understand some context uh, given you know the context uh, in terms of the apparel, fashion and luxury uh, industry challenge. And um, and one of the big challenges to the industry is a supply chain, which happens to be extremely inefficient, wasteful and ripe for disruption. Um, And timing is such that changes in technology, consumer preferences, et cetera, are creating opportunities uh, for the rebirth of urban apparel industries in city throughout the United States. Uh, that's on one side. On the other side, the opportunities um, are constrained by the lack of a skilled apparel, fashion, luxury trade workforce, right? And, sure. and a shortage of modern, affordable production space and inadequate access to two t- new technologies in addition to being challenged by a ready access to raw materials. I mean, all you have to do is look at New York and it is help, the, these challenges are palpable and creating uh, some disruption, uh, what we once thought of as the epicenter of uh, fashion and um, creation and production, development and production, um, one of the you know epicenters in the world. So, and what has happened is that um, because of the industry's uh, pattern or paradigm of chasing inexpensive labor throughout the world as a major focal point, 
a once domestic core competency, I think, has been in large part defaulted, right, to Absolutely. the offshore business interests. Absolutely. And, and to your point, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, that the, the inefficiency uh, hasn't helped, right? Because if it was more efficient, it could probably, at least the domestic uh, sector, could compete more readily uh, with, with this second trend that you're talking about, which, which is this movement towards affordable uh, manufacturing, if you will, which isn't really what we do well, at least up until now in the U.S. Well, right. I mean, we, we still need to, you know, I mean, that's and that is part of what we are unable to do now. Uh, I always look at deficits as opportunities um, and thinking that the industry is really ripe and the supply chain for the industry is is really ripe for disruption. Um and that's an opportunity to develop workforce and to develop technology and to upgrade, you know, the types of, of jobs uh, uh, to become available in the industry. Um, that um, and plus the growing demand for sustainable and you know eco-friendly products. Sure, um, we have, I think, a canvas upon which to paint a story or to paint and to paint a reality um, for which there is actual precedent in the world. And another, which I can explain later, but another um, a factor or trend which makes it um, uh, a good time for Detroit is uh, the tendency, um, what we're seeing more and more of, is sector like industry collaborative coalitions uh, that are, that are uh, formed to solve common problems, right? Uh, and then finally, you know, for Detroit, it's good because you know what was once blight has now been cleaned up. Um, there's population ready to be trained. There are close proximities to universities. There. Um, are large stores of land at relatively low prices and a relatively low cost of living, particularly if you compare it to not just New York and L.A., but even when you compare it to a city like Nashville. Um, hmm. You also have a city that is willing to deal. You know, they want to play ball. It's like, come in, let's 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 make a deal. So between that plus global logistics assets and the, as i mentioned the great universities sure a growing creative underculture i think create uh, a climate um just ready for something like this to spawn and it, it sounds very exciting and, and as an anecdote to, to what you're saying uh a separate um from the this particular conversation uh or prior i, I i've actually met uh, many young people. So when I say um, young people post post college, uh, perhaps thirty five and under, that actually have been moving uh, to Detroit from different parts of the country because of this new renaissance, if you will, that that Detroit has been undergoing uh, these last few years. Yeah, um, and I and I encounter them on every every visit. I meet more and more of them. And I'm getting uh, so much um, support and so many inquiries uh, weekly of those who want to help, those who want to 
know how can they get involved, uh, where can we set up, et cetera, et cetera. It's um, it's uh, very exciting. And it feels like a real community because the, the people uh, that, I, that I've mentioned that always speak very warmly uh, about Detroit. And, and it feels more uh, like a community than than other cities, if you will. That's a great observation, a great point. It feels very much like a community. It's it's a small it's a small place, and what I think unites everyone, and part of that is part of that uh, community sense comes from uh, a real desire to figure it out, whatever it is, and to make it work. And Detroit is a place where there's innovation and where things are made and there's a real pride in it and being part of it. And that's from people who've come back as well as people from around the world, uh, entrepreneurs who are um, seeding and building new businesses, whether they be restaurants, lounges, uh, galleries, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, shops, whatever it is, uh, there is almost instant uh, acceptance and nice thing also is zero pretense. Sure. Sure. That, 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 that's always great. And I, and I find that to be a, a great asset, especially for entrepreneurs, because there, there isn't, <laughs> there isn't much time to, <laughs> to worry uh, about uh, superfluous things, if you will, but more, it, it's more about, as you said, executing. Mm-hmm. So, so with that in mind, uh, and speaking of innovation, uh, as you just mentioned, um, can you share a little bit about your vision uh, for the Detroit Fashion Hub, and how do you see it uh, developing? Okay. Um, well, first of all, the vision part is easy. And when you talked, when you asked earlier about the mayor's uh, motivation or his logic, uh, one of the things I wanted to be clear about before uh, spending any time on it was whether he understood and uh, and could accept uh, a really big idea um, because it would be a transformative idea. And his immediate response was, of course, that's why I want you involved in this. So that's great. <laughs> um, so that's his logic. and and basically what I, I you know outlined was, how do you trans, you know, what we need to do is transform uh, Detroit into a Silicon Valley uh, for the AFNL industry uh, to welcome back venture backed early stage established businesses uh, to spawn cutting edge applied technologies, combining, you know, a synchronicity of artisanal craftsmanship and advanced technology for uh, highest quality and low cost execution um, in a socially, environmentally uh, responsible manner to provide self-sustaining job training, R&D facilities, and resources to recruit, uh, train, and retain uh, the best talent for a workforce. And then on top of it all, what is it going to else that's going to make it attractive and desirable is to create a compelling quality of life, um, Jose, in a, in, a, in a nurturing environment, which addresses not only basic needs like low cost, uh, high quality health care and education, 
and recreation, sure. but also community access to Detroit's world-class uh, cultural and educational institutions of higher learning. And finally, vision would be, in terms of design, is to leverage Detroit's hub-and-spoke design and its DNA of craftsmanship, innovation, and entrepreneurship. So if you could imagine a campus um, with a teaching hospital where you know, it's the hospital, uh, the facilities are developing product, they're uh, uh, producing it, they're training it, they're housing um, the experts that people will come in from around the world uh, to learn from, uh, and it, it becomes a whole ecosystem of job training, uh, production, etc. And then you add to that a whole agricultural element uh, in order to uh, 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 look at some of the agricultural needs because um, Michigan is also very much an agricultural state. Sure. Uh, for for the raw materials uh, to you know, for uh, for the production of uh, piece goods, findings, uh, whatever, both from natural, you know, net synthetic or uh, and biological, whatever it is. But again, to be socially responsible and and, and environmentally uh, sustainable. So I don't know if that helps to paint a picture, but if you have any questions, um, fire away. Sure. Uh, that, that sounds great. I mean, at, at the high level, I mean, that, that, that I'd like the vision because it takes a lot uh, business and sustainability and it melds them together um, in a way that, that would be very organic, if you will, um, and 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 it, from, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it, it sounds like an ideal place. Um, with that, uh, I, I guess a question would be: um, Given the vision, will there be a main campus? I mean, how will this initiative like work? Um, if you could talk about it, um, not sure if you can, but if you can, or whatever you could fill in. Um, I, how would this actually work in practice? I guess is the question. Yeah, that those are it, it's all in the details, right? Retail is a detail. <laughs> yes, yes, it um, is. <laughs> and we have uh, uh, conceptual strategies uh, for how to get there and what it will look like, and they follow a couple of different roads, and they're comprised of strategic initiatives which we're in the process now of evaluating, uh, well, developing, and then evaluating and then prioritizing. Um, uh, one is uh, a sort of brick by brick, focus one success and build one on top of another. So, for example, uh, we develop a pilot uh, contract facility where uh, local entrepreneurs who are unable, who have demand that exceeds their ability to produce, can come in and 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 meet that demand. At the same time, given the sort of lack of um, of of, of uh, predictability, sure, uh, to be able to invite uh, other brands with more predictable production to either peel off or allow us to develop. Uh, uh, styles uh, for production for their distribution and to show how doing it closer to home, uh, even before technologically advanced 
um, advancements uh, are underway, that just by doing it close to home, by shortening the lead times uh, to allow quicker, uh, when I say quick response, it isn't a quick response with a three-month lead. It's a quick response with a one-week lead type of thing. Wow. Um, right? So um, because the distances uh, have been converged between design, product development, production, and the market, and little by little, build the capability. Um, that's one way, and that might need to happen in parallel with another way, which is to take a page from initiatives elsewhere in the world where industry coalitions are formed with big brands together with their strategic partners for duplicating a um, a truly or, or duplicating uh, a development and and production ecosystem uh, in the United States based in Detroit. I see. So so can entrepreneurs join, uh, or is this more of a wholesale, let's say, retail type of model to serve? existing companies? is How do entrepreneurs play into this? Well, we think that entrepreneurs are going to be are critically important. And part of what we want to do and what we think will be transformational is to be able to have a platform that's flexible enough to handle the limited production needs of early phase or early stage entrepreneurs in the industry who would otherwise be crushed by minimums that are extremely high uh, and the working capital restraints that are put on them. But to be able to be flexible enough to accommodate the their needs, while at the same time being able to handle um, the much larger and more consistent run needs of um, of the of the brand. And in terms of wholesale retail, um, well, we would be able to, um, we, 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 want to, we want to be as flexible enough. Wholesale is somewhat easy because you get one big order, you know, that gets uh, uh, distributed sure. among a lot of different uh, branches from the same customer um, to the extent that uh, retailers or brands, are, particularly brands, are dealing more and more directly with their end consumer uh, to be able to be as flexible at some point, and this is a future vision, uh, to be as flexible enough to anticipate the individual customer need and to be able to respond to it uh, when called upon to do so. It's very much needed, right? I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense, especially for uh, these early stage, uh, let's say, apparel slash retail companies. When they're trying to produce for, let's say, let's take the case of wholesale, um, wholesale orders, not not an easy thing to do because of the minimums. And as you started off our conversation talking about the supply chain um, issues, and there are many, um, getting the minimums down to a manageable amount is one major problem. Then, if that's possible... Um, is it even possible to, to source the different materials locally? And then compa it's compounded by the fact that uh, there are long lead times. But, but what, what you're proposing is actually solving for those first two problems, as well as the third, which is also reducing the lead times, which would make this 
um, let's say, whole endeavor that much more, let's say, uh, palatable uh, to entrepreneurs, where usually they they can. So that that that's that's a pretty remarkable way of going about things. Well, if we can achieve it, I mean, I know we will, but the key will be in the execution. And uh, and what encourages me is I always feel where there's a will, there's a way. And um, and I and I've encountered uh, a spirit of of can do, will do, will figure out how uh, we'll suffer our our stumbles and scraped knees along the road. But we'll get there. And what's really exciting is I think we're anticipating when looking at it, you know, end to end something that's ultimately going to happen anyway. It's going to have to happen. Sure, sure. And, and then think, thinking about this, um, and, and you may not have an answer for it, and if you don't, that, that, that's fine. Um, but uh, is there going to be a limit to the number of entrepreneurs uh, that can become part of this initiative? Will, and will there be an application or vetting process, if you will? No, that's a great question because that's something we've been thinking about very early on. Um, obviously, uh, the ability or capacity is going to take on will will in effect determine what what and how many. Uh, from a qualitative point of view, we will need to work out a criteria. Our goal is to have some sort of uh, screening uh, uh, process. Um, and once we have it, and once we have the data on the entrepreneur, their business, what they do, who their customer is, the materials that they work with, the machinery that they need, the skill sets that they need, that when that entrepreneur comes, the goal or the objective is almost to be like a concierge. It's not, okay, here's where you go to do this. It's more like we'll take you by the hand. Uh, oh, by the way, here's your development uh, room, your development studio. Here, uh, here, here, um, here are your you know CAD systems and and uh, cutting machines, and here's where your fabric is stored, and how you will access and where you'll cut it, and here's where it gets sewn, and these are people with specific skill sets to handle the kind of production you want. I mean, ultimately, um, it, it would be, we would love to see it as focused, individualized that way as the actual fulfillment to the customer of the product itself. Okay. No, no, that, that, that make, make, makes a lot of sense uh, because it speaks to a, a lot of, you've illustrated a lot of the points that, that um, you've made uh, during this, this conversation. And now switching gears a little bit, um, can you talk a little bit about the partnership with uh, Detroit Denim Company and uh, Detroit versus everyone? I, I read about this. How will this work or how is it working? Well, the, the most important thing in contribution at this moment is information. Those are two examples of several, uh, of several um, early stage and growing uh, uh, apparel uh, companies in you know fashion companies uh, in Detroit. Just two examples. Uh, obviously, one by name, you know, is 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 Denim, uh, and it appears that uh, 
Marcus Laminus, you know, from from the prophet is yes. is focusing his attention on on one of them, um, and that's Detroit denim. Uh, but also, you know, at some point we're going to want to be able to do uh, the washing, you know, the processing of the denim itself. So uh, they're going to be important for us, you know, early stage in that process. Um, and the other, in terms of Detroit versus everybody, is an interesting combination because Detroit versus everybody is a kind of streetwear uh, brand, um, uh, and the uh, uh, and the the founder of the brand, who is uh, is absolutely uh, amazing, um, is uh, raised his hand early on. To say, listen, I've got the I've got the problem that everyone has here, and that is we have demand that outstrips supply. Here's where we need capability, um, and we're really excited by uh, by what is being described because it it is spot on to what we need. But more, as important as that than that is, or uh, as important is is the fact that so much so important to our whole effort. Is is a social impact in terms of uh, workforce uh, workforce development, and there is uh, a an unemployment rate, a high unemployment rate, and legacy unemployment in Detroit that requires uh, uh, training uh, as well as just boots on the ground to get people out and knowing that there's something that they can. Accomplished that they can grow, and um, and that there are living examples to inspire that. So um, that is a, a, a Tommy Walker, who's who's the founder and CEO of of Detroit versus Everybody. Um, you know, raised his hand as well to be the boots on the ground uh, to get people in the community involved. And I can't tell you how important um, that is to all of us and how important that is uh, to the city. Big thanks to Jeffrey for joining us today. We'll be definitely keeping tabs on this project to see how he's how he's doing with it over the upcoming months. And I'm sure we'll see plenty of it on the news, too, as Detroit reinvents itself in a way from a fashion perspective, at least. But that is the show, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, any comments, feedback, or anything like that, email us at brickdatacast at gmail.com. And until next time, take care. Bye.